Welcome to Lone Star Latter-day Saint Voices, a podcast dedicated to conversations with members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in North Texas. I'm your host, Eric Egan. This French horn quintet is comprised of the Wood family of Colleyville, Texas. Jerry, Molly, and all three of their children, who range in age from 13 to 20. We didn't force our children to play the French horn. We tried to expose them to everything, but I guess when they're just surrounded by it all the time and, you know, they see our excitement in it. Jerry and Molly are both accomplished French horn players. In fact, Jerry was recently awarded the position of principal horn in the Fort Worth Symphony Orchestra. All three of their children are finding great success with the instrument as well. On this episode of Lone Star Latter-day Saint Voices, Jerry and Molly talk about how they each came to play the French horn, how the instrument played a part in bringing them together, and how it has become a family focus, bringing many blessings along the way. Jerry and Molly, thank you for joining us. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you. Well, let's start by getting to know you guys, who you are, where you're from, how you met. So I'm originally from, I was born in Miami, Florida. Not that that matters. My parents moved around. My dad was a park ranger for um, for quite a while. Um, and then uh, in the early 80s, I moved here to this area. Uh, we lived at Arlington. Um, and then I went to LD Bell High School. Um, so we're, we literally live about five minutes away from my high school and, uh, my parents are both, uh, neither one of them are professional musicians. My dad plays piano. Um, and my mom sings in the, uh, the local sweet Adeline's chorus, the rich tones. And so we've got lots of music, at least in my background. I'm a native Texan, uh, I think four generations born in San Antonio, but we, we both have lived here, you know, most of our middle school, high school years in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And I went to Richland High School. We actually went to rival high schools a little bit. I'm one of eight kids and he's one of three. And my dad was a salesman. He always wanted to be a musician. He used to play guitar and I think he played once in Willie Nelson's band and he tried to make a thing of it with music, but raising eight children um, was very difficult. And so he became a salesman and he still, he was, when I was growing up, he was Mr. Music Man on a local channel up in Oklahoma when we lived up there. And he had his own little TV show where he would come into the schools and play his guitar and sing to the kids. And so music is always, I think in both of our families, it's been a lot of not necessarily fully trained musicians, but definitely a love for music on both sides of our family. Well, that makes a difference as you develop your own love for music. It, it comes naturally from your parents, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually had to, uh, one of my colleagues was asking me, since we have three children that play French horn, they were asking me if, uh, if I ever wanted to play a different instrument other than French horn. Um, and the truth is, is when we first, when I first started about like, three or four weeks before you go in for your instrument testing in middle school, they uh, give you, or they did give us a, an aptitude test, sort of one of those things that uh, you know, how, how much do you know about music? I mean, how's your ear and things like that. And so then I went into test for the instrument and I wanted to play trombone. 
I wanted to play bass trombone. That's that was my thing, and I, I sat down across from uh, my band director, uh, who is now currently the fine arts director in HEB, just by chance. And I told him I wanted to play trombone, and he looks at my aptitude test and he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, we're out of trombones. How about the French horn?" <laughs> and I talked to him several years later. I guess several, t- as in twenty. Uh, years later. And he said, we never run out of trombones. Your aptitude test must have showed that you have a better ear or something. (laughs) What an important decision on his part. Right, exactly. And then I enrolled in band and my mom pulled me out of band because she wanted me to be in choir because she thought I had a really really good voice and she had trained me quite a bit uh, to do a lot of that. And so uh, my very first day of band, I didn't get to go to band because I had been pulled out and put in choir and I'm glad we corrected that <laughs> not long after. And it's it's ever, always been, you know, it's been that way ever since. We just kind of have, I've played French horn. I went to college because somebody gave me money to play French horn. I didn't know what I was, just like any other senior, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so, you know, I ended up at Stephen F. Austin. Um, I got my degree in music education and wanted to be a band director the whole time. And then I student taught, didn't want to be a band director anymore. Um, <laughs> And then uh, decided that I would uh, go into horn performance. And so I went to the University of Southern Mississippi to get my master's. And in my second, well, I should I should take a step back. When uh, I was at Stephen of Austin in my fourth year or so, um, this beautiful brunette showed up. So this is where Molly enters the story. Let's hear from you, Molly. What's your background? I grew up in the church. Uh, my parents are converts. They joined, um, I think they had one or two kids and the missionaries knocked on their doors down in um, Houston, I believe. And they joined the church. And then when I was a senior, I went to Brigham Young University and I was so excited to go there. And I was with the Wind Symphony and we just toured East Asia for a month. And I just thought it was the best thing ever. And I had a great scholarship. And we came back from the tour and it was the summertime and I had this really strong impression that I needed to go back to Texas. And i had only spent my freshman year there and it was one of those that I paced my room for a week trying to decide what is this feeling? Why do I have this? I am in, in this awesome school. It's, you know, everything I always wanted. And the decision finally came that I needed to go back. And I remember going to my professors and my teachers and just saying, thank you so much for the opportunity, but I have to leave. I sold my car, I sold everything and just took a Greyhound bus back to Texas. And my parents, I remember them looking at me going, you know, we trust you, but you know, what are you going to do now? And so I called up the colleges that had offered scholarships before and was like, hey, remember me? And the first one to get back to me was Stephen F. Austin State University. And so I, when I went there, there was this really cute guy that was the section leader in the marching band. And, um, uh, and to be it, clear, she did not, <laughs> she did not have eyes for me. I definitely had eyes for her. Well, no, it was just one of those things that you did. You know, I didn't know why I was there, but when we got, you know, cause I left the 151st young single adult ward in BYU to go to Nacogdoches, Texas, which at the time only had a branch for the ward. And so it was so tiny. And I think there were like nine young single adults and they were all girls, I think almost. 
So they had to create their own husbands. Jerry likes to call it flirt to convert. (laughs) But yeah, when I met him, he was president of the big band fraternity there. And it was just one of those things that we kind of connected and we dated for a year and a half before he came to church. And I was the primary chorister at the time. And we had talked about church a little bit, but he wasn't all that interested in it. But he knew that there was this big music production that the children at the church were going to be doing, and which is just the primary program. But he knew that we had been working on it. And so he was like, yeah, I'll come and watch it. And he had lots of funny experiences on that first day. We yeah. always joke about it, but <laughs> he came and he was like, it's so loud in the church building and the, the kids, but he, he enjoyed it enough that he stayed and he came and he watched me do singing time in the primary after that. And he kept distracting me so much that I actually send him the third hour to go to priesthood quorum. <laughs> and at the time he was student teaching. So he had the suit and everything and he looked like um, a return missionary. And so he walked into elders quorum. And the first thing they did is ask him to say the opening prayer. And, uh, <laughs> He was like, no, 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 but you still ended well, up. Yeah, the, the bishop was like, well, ma- maybe later, maybe later. Let's have somebody else do it. And then then they found out that I was a music major. And so they decided that uh, I should conduct the music. So from from the, my very first time I walked into a church building, I was conducting music of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, so I uh, was I was baptized in 97. Uh, we were married. March of yeah, we were married in uh, 98. Um, in the Dallas Temple. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, uh, definitely in the Dallas Temple. It was just a very spiritual experience, and it was a great way because when we actually got married, it was just Jerry and I in the room. To us, it, it just made it that much more important. It, it it really set our family up because we we knew we were starting our new family, and and then I followed him to Southern Mississippi, where I finished my degree in music education, and then and I got my master's there. After a few years at Southern Mississippi, we were still trying to figure out what to do. And so we went to uh, the University of Illinois up in Champaign, Illinois. Um, And I was there for a a lot more years than I uh, would like to admit. I still don't have that degree, but (laughs) and all three of our children were born there. And then, you know, skipping over some stuff. I I spent about nine months in uh, Switzerland studying over there and trying to get some orchestral jobs and things like that and took several auditions over there um, and ended up coming back and uh, staying at the University of Illinois until 2008. And then we came down here. We moved back down here because we knew we were going to get lots of work because I had done some, I had had some success in the local auditions. And so I knew I was going to work. And so we moved back here and between the two of us, uh, we've been scraping together a living in music uh, you know, whether it's teaching uh, or playing. Molly, for the longest time, was up until up until the beginning of COVID, she was teaching in the neighborhood of 60 or 70 French horn students um, a week. Um, then I moved over and I started teaching at the University of Texas at Arlington and, you know, freelancing everywhere. Our, the majority of our income came from me freelancing with orchestras. And then I landed a job with the Dallas Opera, I was the third horn in the Dallas Opera. Um, and then my newest thing is that uh, I just won the principal position in the Fort Worth Symphony Orchestra. My feet haven't come down from that yet. <laughs> Congratulations. That's wonderful. 
Thank you. Um, and so that's that's where we are right now. Um, it's kind of exciting. I've played a whole two shows with the Fort Worth <laughs> Symphony Orchestra, and they're both outside of Fort Worth. Uh, they're all uh, educational shows. We were in Waxahachie today, and my first gig with them was all the way out in Graham. So I drove for two hours there, played for an hour, and drove two hours back. <laughs> so uh, so and this week is my first real week. Um, I get to play uh, Back to the Future uh, with them on a pop series this week. You know, most of us probably aren't familiar with what that's like to be a professional musician in a symphony orchestra. What what does that look like in a typical week for you, whether it was with the opera or now with the Fort Worth Symphony? So what it generally looks like is me sitting in a room by myself in front of a mirror practicing music, except for the usually six to eight or nine services. We There's what four or five rehearsals and then at least two or three performances on the weekends. And what a service is, it's about two and a half hours long. And uh, so usually my general layout of day uh, of schedule is on Monday, I teach uh, all day at the university. And then on Tuesday, I catch all the other students that I didn't get to teach on (laughs) on Monday. And then on Wednesday, there's an afternoon orchestra rehearsal. And then on Thursday, it's two orchestra rehearsals. Um, And then on Friday, there's a dress rehearsal in the morning and then the performance on Friday night and then Saturday and then Sunday matinee. Um, so that's a, that's a typical uh, week. So it really is a full-time job for you by the time you put all that together. Absolutely. And all of the white spaces in the calendar are generally filled with, you know, practicing because you have to prepare for <laughs> whatever comes. And, and so that's a typical symphonic thing, but with the opera, it was all over the place uh, because we, we had to deal with, uh, the singers needed days off or we couldn't do rehearsals back to back, those kinds of things. And so it was a lot different with the opera. And Molly, you were teaching French horn mm-hmm. for all of those students for those years. And so it must be neat for both of you guys to be working in that field, really to be experts in the French horn. You know, before we moved down here, we were, I was part of the professional chamber group that Jerry started called the Four Hornsmen of the Apocalypse, kind of a funny name, but we were all in undergrad when we <laughs> came up with it. And I was with that group for about seven years and we, we toured everywhere. And so even when we had little kids, I, you know, I have a picture of me conducting this huge mass horn choir with a baby strapped on my back, you know? And so even our kids would go along with some of the tours that we would go on across the country. And, but um, once we started having more kids, we have three kids now, but they replaced me with another player and they started really touring all over the world. And, and I, a couple of times I got to be the manager of that group, which was a lot of fun. You know, I, you know, sitting in the Chopin Conservatory in Warsaw, Poland, and, you know, making sure that they get their flights back to Milan and getting some video recorded in Toronto, Canada. And, and so it, it's like, you know, I, I feel like I'm the soccer mom on the sidelines, but then every now and then I would get to do some really awesome projects with them. And. Uh, I guess five years ago, I got to play with the, uh, Jerry on one of his gigs down with the Merida Symphony down in the Yucatan and near Cancun. And um, we got to play the Mahler's First Symphony with that one. And so every now and then I'll get to feel like 
sort of professional again, but most of the time, and my favorite thing is really starting off those little beginners and just don't drop your horn and here's how you hold it. And this is what you do with the mouthpiece. And that's my favorite. I, I love getting the little babies and starting them from the beginning. She downplays it, but she's actually a really amazing horn player. That's all I have to say. Well, now, now, Jerry, you told us that a band director selected the French horn for you. Molly, how did you come to play the French horn? Well, my my sister, who I like idolized growing up, we were only 17 months apart. And so I did everything that she did and she played the French horn. And when she brought it home, you know, I'd be taking all these slides out and I tried to toot on it. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I was also a big Star Wars fan. And I loved all the French horn solos in Star Wars. And I was like, oh, yeah. So it, it was my choice. And uh, because I could already kind of hold it and play it because my sister had one at home, the band directors were like, yeah, go for it. So and I actually started we, we live here in Colleyville. And I started at Colleyville Middle School, and, and it's funny that I now teach, you know, I, I was teaching at Colleyville Middle School, too. And so it kind of feels like we're full circle. Coming and all back. three of our children have gone through that school, too. So, yeah. yeah. And Jerry's even taught at his junior high, too, where he started at yep. Hearst Junior High. And so we've both kind of come full circle teaching at the same places that we, we got our start at. And so this whole DFW, this community is very, you know, ingrained in our family and it's very important to us. So the community is ingrained in your family, as is the French horn. So <laughs> all three of your children play as well. How did that come about? <laughs> we get this question a lot. Um, we didn't force our children to play the French horn. The only thing that they were required to do was play piano. Our oldest actually started on violin when he was little because when we lived in Illinois, the bishop's wife was a fantastic Suzuki teacher. And so, you know, we, we tried to expose them to everything, but I guess when they're just surrounded by it all the time and, you know, they see our excitement in it, then the oldest one, you know, we took him to get the instruments tested and he was like, you know, I think I want to play horn. And really the second, our second child, we were like, trying to get him to do something else and he was adamant he was like nope i'm doing french horn and and then our daughter we thought she was going to go into choir or theater and at the last minute she was like nope i want to do horn too and we're like well okay <laughs> and it <laughs> and it's been really really great ever since so yeah so i mean, and all of the kids have uh really taken to it in in their own ways and they all have different skills or skill sets, I should say. I mean, all of them can do the standard, you know, play the French horn, but uh, they, they have different levels of enthusiasm for it. Our oldest was actually studying at BYU. He was studying French horn. He wanted to be a, a music educator. Um, and then he decided after his mission, I don't think I want to do that anymore. And he came to us <laughs> kind of sheepish, thinking that we were going to be all upset. We were like, dude, you're our retirement plan. <laughs> so he wanted to go into IT. And so he talked to all of his uncles who were in IT. Um, and so now he's a business major. And then our our second son, he's kind of just... He eats and breathes and drinks uh, this music. And I don't know exactly where it came from. It's nothing that we did in particular. We encourage it. But uh, he, you know, he listens to it. He writes it. Um, and he'll actually be going to uh, the Interlochen Academy for the Arts next year instead of going to high school here locally. 
which is a, a very prestigious opportunity for him. It's it's kind it's, of a, a it, arts boarding school up in it's Michigan. It's like a Juilliard High School. And yeah. he was accepted into it and received a very substantial scholarship. And he's actually heading out tomorrow to go for his second time to the Allstate. He made eighth overall um, horn player in the state of Texas his junior year. So, And he made it his freshman year. And then our daughter is also very successful. She's still in middle school. But she's the only one of the kids that can claim getting first chair in all region, both her seventh and eighth grade year. So wow. she's bound to determine to beat her brothers in everything. And so <laughs> they, they did the same thing with like baseball. They all did baseball and our daughter did softball. And uh, now she's like, all right, I'm going to be the best horn player of all of them. And so it's and, funny to and see. She it. very well might. <laughs> She very that's well a lot of motivation, right? That's, exactly. <laughs> that's fantastic. And in my understanding too, and, and you two know this better than anyone, is that the French horn is a pretty challenging instrument. There's a lot going on there to pay attention to. It, it is. Um, it's actually in the Guinness Book of World Records as one of the two hardest instruments to play. The other one's oboe. And I think the reason the oboe is so difficult to play is because you have to buy reeds for it. <laughs> you have to make your reeds. You have to make your own reeds. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, there are tricks. Uh, it is a little bit tricky. I mean, not to get into all of the, uh, the details of it, but basically we regularly play in about four octaves uh, of the instrument. Most other instruments may get to three octaves and the harmonic series is uh, it's like a lot more slippery because we tend to play in the upper harmonic series. Not that that well, somebody, kind of detail needs to be gone somebody to. somebody equated it to trying to play professional piano wearing oven mitts on your hands. Yeah, oh, and right. that's how accuracy can be really affected. So it, it it is a tricky instrument, but it's a beautiful. I think it's one that is very diverse in that um, you've got the big brassy intensity of it but then it can be soft and lyrical and pretty and it really is one of the most versatile instruments it's like the right. cello you it can kind of cover both it's really not that difficult um if you practice it i think and when he means practicing at at this level i always tell my students it's like he, you're at an olympic level where every family vacation we went on you know if we're driving we're stopping at a gas station and the kids are pulling out their instruments and playing alongside the road just to mm -hmm. keep your face in shape. You know, you see those extreme athletes and what they have to do to, to stay strong and to stay in shape. It's the same thing for musicians. You just, you know, every time he goes to a dentist, he's like, this is my moneymaker. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Don't mess it up. Exactly. Don't mess it up. <laughs> no. no, that makes good sense. Well, I understand that as the COVID-19 pandemic really got going and, and we were all confined to our homes much of the time, that you guys decided to put your talents to work and to share those talents musically with anyone who might want to listen. Tell us a little bit about how that came about and what you did. We enjoy playing together as a family and we had a really neat experience in December of 2018 the Colleyville Middle School Band was going to perform at this big international convention called the Midwest Convention in Chicago. They were one of three middle school bands in the entire country that was selected to go. And we got a really neat opportunity to um, have a piece that we partially arranged for band and horn quartet 
where my husband and I and our older two sons played with the band on this huge stage. And it was an incredible experience, especially because three of us were alumni from this school. And poor little Lydia was sitting there in the audience because she's like the, the Wood family. And she's like, I'm part of the Wood family. But she hadn't started French horn yet. So and she always wanted us to play with us. And so then we started going, you know, to different things and just kind of playing together. And sometimes we go Christmas caroling where we take our French horns and we, you know, ding dong ditch people and play on their front porches. So it was something we've always enjoyed doing. But we also play a lot in sacrament meeting. And so when we knew that the church was going to have to be online, we knew that that music piece wasn't going to be in people's homes anymore. And so the first Sunday we decided to just, and it was one of those real quick spur of the moment, throw together, let's just record us playing. And we stuck it on Facebook and we were getting messages from people, you know, all over the globe saying, thank you for doing this. So we asked our kids, hey, do you want to do it again? So we did it a second week. And again, it was just people were, you know, thank you. The The world just feels so, I mean, this was March of the 20, like right when it happened, March, April of the pandemic. So it became a weekly thing that we just kept doing. And we got to where it was too crazy to record it on Sunday. So we actually re would record it the day before on Saturday and I just, I was so thankful for my kids because even, you know, we'd come up, say, hey, we're getting ready. And we'd hear the screech of the ironing board as they get and they'd iron their shirts because <laughs> they would dress up in full Sunday dress just to pretend as if we were there in the sacrament meeting playing these pieces. And so we did that for 21 weeks until they went back to school and you know, things started. Yeah. And what's what was fascinating about this is uh, Lydia, our youngest, uh, had started playing French horn in the fall. Uh, so when spring came around and she couldn't go to school anymore, she really didn't have the opportunity to be in beginner band. And so a lot of the we uh, I've got this phenomenal arranger that lives with <laughs> me, composer, too. And uh, she started creating these uh, arrangements of these hymns and uh, we could tailor it to what our beginner was capable of doing. And it's really interesting to watch. If you watch the first video, um, she's literally playing like two notes with that. <laughs> and by the, by the time the last video comes along, you can see her progress and how much, it, how much of a difference it made in her own playing. Um, just from doing that every week. And we didn't rehearse that much. I mean, it was one of those where we would rehearse maybe once or twice, once or twice, and then we'd record so it. So do not expect perfection. They, they're not. <laughs> they're live recordings. They're <laughs> live recordings with some tuning issues. And we could maybe get one maybe two recordings out of the kids and then they're like, okay, that's good. Well, that, and we had but, to turn the air conditioner off because our air conditioner is really loud. And so and the would, fish tank yeah. and the grandfather clock. And, and so really it, it would get <laughs> so hot in so in such a quick amount of time. So uh, we only had, to, we could only do like two because we we're all dressed in suits <laughs> and trying to no. try not to sweat. <laughs> and these are all on YouTube, right? So what's yeah. the best way to go find those? I think you can search under Wood Family Sunday Specials. And then, like I said, they're, they're not perfect, but they show the various degrees of pandemic hairstyles of our kids going, <laughs> I want to dye my hair this or whatever. You know, you can see the transition, but we did have some really 
amazing experiences. And, and one of them in particular that really stood out to me was we did one, God be with you till we meet again. And we weren't planning on doing that song, but I had a, a French horn student. She was a member of a ward out in Keller and her mom also played French horn and their father or her father passed away. And so, you know, here's this teenage daughter who no longer is going to have her father with her anymore. And this is right when the pandemic, when everything was shut down. So you couldn't even really hold normal funerals or graveside services, or it, it was just one of those that we weren't sure what kind of a funeral it would be like. And so as a family, we went to her house and we stood on their front porch and we played this Gabby with you till we meet again. And it was, it was really, um, gosh, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> um, you wanted to be able to hug them, but it was at that point where nobody was touching or anything like that. But that's what, that's all we could provide. And we knew that they would appreciate it because both her and her daughter were French horn players. And so then we came home and we recorded that one. So that was, that was a nice one. Let's listen to some of that recording. That was beautiful. What were some other memorable experiences during that time? We got to help with the tornado out in Bowie, Texas. And so that week we, we, we kind of catered our music to what was going on. Like if it was the 4th of July, we would do a patriotic song. If it was Mother's Day or Father's Day, we would try and you know cater it to that. And so I think that was because I have been given much, I too must give after we, you know, got to help out with that the Clean tornado up. cleanup. And so it was just, it was a, a neat bonding experience for our family. And then uh, we got to do, uh, so we didn't just record here at home. All, uh, we got to record in the, um, in Elder Godfordson's house. Oh yeah. Uh, he's a, he's one of the <laughs> He 70s. had a much better piano. Yeah, so. he, he had a better piano <laughs> and, a, and a beautiful parlor. And so we got to record. So there's a couple of recordings in there. There were some that the piano part was just a little more substantial that my tiny little spinet that wasn't very in tune was um, <laughs> not going to do it justice. But, yeah. but speaking of those family things, it, the music and, and us playing together 
is something, and I'm going to get emotional again, that Christmas at, in December, 2020, we, we did our caroling with our French horns. And one of the people that we caroled was my mom and dad out in Azle, Texas. And again, because of COVID, we just stood on the front lawn and we played <laughs> it Christmas. Was, soon. It was 65 degrees. At yeah. Christmas. <laughs> Christmas day was warm. <laughs> And we stood on their front lawn and we played Christmas songs for them. And, and that was Christmas day. And then three weeks later, my parents got COVID and my mom passed away. And so that, that was the last time I got to see my mom. But it was with our family playing our French horns. And I couldn't think of a more perfect way have a last experience especially during this difficult time you know because you know when we found out that she had COVID it was six days and she was gone and so I think that music and the church in our life has what made our has what's made our family as strong as it is and I'm so grateful for both of them in our life it's got to be very rewarding as parents, especially parents who play the French horn, to see your children embrace that and to all be able to play together? Uh, it is. However, <laughs> the problem is that our children don't enjoy practicing around us. So they, <laughs> they spend a lot of their practice time at school. So they'll do it at school and play very little around us um, because they feel like they're being judged all the time. So, I mean, that's that's a little bit of a negative because we will, we'll, you know, if they're doing something wrong and they're missing a note over and over again, we'll walk in and go, Hey, you know, that's uh and they're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so we've, we've gotten better at that um, with each of our children. I mean, I think that's the way most parents are. You know, we used our first to figure out how to raise our second. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it sounds like the pandemic may have helped with that issue though, is you're all home and you have, opportunity to play together on a weekly basis. It did. And it, it is wonderful to to be able to play with them and all to have uh, common interests. The thing is, is that it's, it's not special to us. It's something that we do all the time. It's something that we're around all the time. And it's a wonderful tool uh, for us to be able to serve. You know, like Molly said, we get to play in in sacrament meeting a lot. Um, and actually, they went on a little bit of a sacrament meeting tour over <laughs> uh, over Christmas. Uh, they played in a couple of wards. Um, but you know, our our prayer is always, you know, let us affect at least one person with the Spirit. Just one person. That's all we want. It doesn't have to be perfect, but we want to see somebody feel the spirit because of the way that we're playing or because of the music that we're playing. And so that kind of uh, uh, unified purpose, I think, really brings us closer together um, in terms of you know playing together. And what a spiritual opportunity as well. There, there's something about music that invites the spirit. And if, if that's your goal, it sounds like that's something you experience on a regular basis. Yes. Yeah. It, and sometimes it's very difficult to make it through an arrangement, especially when the spirit gets really strong. I think I'm like a lot of people. I usually feel the spirit in the most inconvenient way possible. And I start crying. <laughs> mm. And so uh, it's, it's very difficult to play the French horn when you're feeling the spirit as strongly. 
You can't see the notes on the page. Yeah, <laughs> and but and there has been several times when I have I've been playing and I've just had to you know I, I've had to you know kind of hope and pray how do how do I get this feeling? I mean, this sounds so bad. How do I get this feeling to go away so that I can <laughs> keep playing? Um, but yeah, uh, absolutely, we do feel the spirit. It's, it's something that you know we as a family get together, and I think that a lot of times we kind of take it for granted in that we do feel the spirit when we're playing together. Um, but it's also, it's just our family hanging out, playing French horn um, and trying to one up each other. And, you know, it's, it's a much different family home evening from, yeah. <laughs> from others. So. Well, I'm, I'm sure. Well, what a great family experience that you guys get to have. It is unique. And I know families find different things that they can do together, but this one you don't hear every day. So it's a special <laughs> thing for you guys. One last question I had was, is what advice would you give young people who aspire to be professional musicians? My first advice is to practice and practice a lot. <laughs> um, a lot of times, especially with young students, they, we don't want to practice. And there, it, it's, I wish I had practiced a lot more when I was younger. Um, I wish that I had I uh, spent a lot more time practicing my scales, all the simple fundamental stuff that I live for now. And that keeps me alive in my own playing. So my first bit of advice is always, always practice and do it because you love it, not because you have to do it. For me, it's my catharsis. I get to close. I come in this room. I close the door. Um, nobody messes with me. I can do my thing um, and my my warm ups can start at 45 minutes and end up being an hour and a half or whatever, because I'm enjoying myself. And I think I, you know, I've watched a lot of my students get to that point where they, you know, they actually enjoy playing instead of it's a job. And so that's my first bit of advice. My second bit of advice is to surround yourself with people that enjoy doing the same thing, because there's a lot of motivation when you're goofing around with your buddies playing the French horn. And I think for both of us, one of the things that we told our children, okay, you have to learn piano and you have to play an instrument of some kind in band because it creates a culture. Band kids are way different <laughs> than a lot of the other kids in school. And so it creates that opportunity where they they kind of protect each other. The other thing that I recommend is to play for and about everywhere. Go do whatever you can to meet the people that you're probably, because when, when I moved here, when we moved here in 2008, my very first gig uh, in town was with the Fort Worth Symphony, ironically, um, or coincidentally, whichever it is. And I met all of the people that I currently play with at that first gig. That includes the contractors, that includes all, you know colleagues and uh, freelancers. I met them all at that very first gig. And so getting out there, doing that work, being around people. I mean, the standard, you know, you can be really good at your instrument, but if you have to tell people that you're good at your instrument, then it kind of turns them off a little bit. Not only being a, a good musician and playing your part, but also being a, a person that people like to be around, you know, this is not an easy industry by any means. Um, and the reason that we are so so excited about this new position is that these kinds of positions are very, very rare. Um, you don't get an opportunity 
you know, all these kids go to school. We went to school because we wanted to be a professional orchestral musician. Um, and the truth of it is, I took 50 plus auditions to get to this point, you know, and it, the number of jobs is so low compared to the number of people that want them. You, you should not make your plans around being an orchestral musician. You can make that one of your goals, but you shouldn't make that a plan. You need to learn to adapt. You need to learn to get out there and, and play with uh, whoever or, you know, create your own chamber ensemble, you know, create your own stuff. I mean, we are very entrepreneurial to say the least. I mean, we have a, a horn camp that we started because, well, for two reasons. One, we thought that the, a lot of the middle school and high school kids really, really needed that around here. And two, summer is when there's no gigs. <laughs> and so we needed to, we needed some money. <laughs> and so uh, we, we created that. What I've seen with Jerry and him reaching this point is one, you have to be a nice guy. Like what he was saying, you have to get along well with people and you have to think of them before you're thinking of yourself all the time. Because if all you do is think about yourself, nobody's going to want to play with you and you're not going to get as far as he has, you know, he's never given up. He's just kept going and kept plugging away and kept getting closer and closer to that goal. And because um, none of these things, is it just going to drop in your lap, you know? Um, I wish I had that quote out that I was reading that, you know, the, the Lord blesses those that actually put some work and effort into it as well, you know, and, and I feel like he, he's been a great example of that, you know, great dad, a great guy, really hardworking and just never gave up and just keeps moving forward. Well, thank you both for being <laughs> guests on this podcast. It's wonderful to get to know you and to hear your story and to hear your family play. So thank you so much. Thanks. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Our guests on this episode of Lone Star Latter-day Saint Voices have been Jerry and Molly Wood of the Colleyville, Texas Stake. The Wood family has many impressive accomplishments with the French horn, both as individuals and as a family, producing beautiful music and lifting spirits, especially during the lockdown phase of the COVID-19 pandemic. You can find their pandemic era videos on YouTube. Search for Wood Family Sunday Specials. Thank you for listening. For Lone Star Latter-day Saint Voices, I'm Eric Egan.